You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. You want to know why I love this podcast and you guys and just this whole community? It's because we're about real authentic connection. And I know connection is such a busy word these days. It's like the word everyone's using. It's so trendy, but for real, how do you feel whenever you stop scrolling on Instagram? How do you feel when you get off the phone with a friend? And what are the differences between those two feelings? And so today's conversation is going to encourage this thought about sharing your story How do we do that? How do we even begin this whole process with today's guest, Laura Tremaine? Laura wrote a book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, which is 10 questions to take your friendships to the next level. It just was recently released, so yes, you can get your hands on it now, and yes, you totally should. It comes at the perfect time while we're all isolated, we're in the midst of this pandemic. This whole book exposes the flaws of this hyper-connected culture that we live in, and it leaves so many of us feeling lonely and shamed and silenced. But this book is really part guidebook, part memoir of her own framework for cultivating intimate and authentic connections with others by sharing her stories and asking us to do the same with ours. Here's why I love Laura, and this was such a good conversation for me, and then I'll let you listen to the show. But Laura believes that openness is the foundation for connection, and it only begins with meaningful conversation and provoking questions that have to exist beyond our normal comfort zone. So with the 10 questions in her book, she inspires us for reflection and conversation about who we really are. What makes Rachel, Rachel? What makes you listening, you friend? So yes, today's conversation is so good and so needed, and I'm so excited that you're here to join us today. Coming at us from Hollywood, so fun, except you just said nail salons and like, everything is kind of closed. And so that's such a womp womp. I have to admit, I get my nails done more often than I should. And so that would be so sad for me. (laughs) I get my nails done religiously, but nail salons have been closed down for the most part for almost a year. They've had a little brief reopening, but mostly for a year. We have not had any beauty services in Los Angeles, like no hair salons, no nail salons, no waxing, any of those things. And I have to tell you, it shows. Like, <laughs> it shows. <laughs> Whenever I have bare nails, I look down and I'm like, what's wrong with me? I don't know. I'm so used to it now. It sounds so bad, but it's true. It's true. It's me. me too. Oh, I love it. Well, I am so excited that you're here with us today because, man, you've got lots of powerful things to say. So I can't wait for you to drop some good wisdom bombs on us. I want you to share a little bit about who Laura is and all the things you've got going on right now. Well, it is so much right now because I always start with saying that I am a podcaster and a writer, but the big news for me is that I'm launching my first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. Boop, boop. Yes. And that came out of my years and years of mommy blogging originally when I was a new mom back in 2010. And then I moved to podcasting, which I love. And now I have a podcast that's weekly called 10 Things to Tell You. And it asks a question every week. I ask a question or provide a prompt that's meant to either spark a really great conversation with a partner or a loved one or 
a bestie or a sister. And, or you can take the prompt to your journal. Doing that show, 10 Things to Tell You, really sparked everything that I wanted to say in the book, share your stuff, I'll go first. But outside of those work things that I have going on, I'm a wife and a mom in Los Angeles and just like doing the best I can in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we both have a love. I just need to say it because I love her so much. We both have a special place in our heart for Brie McCoy. (gasps) Isn't Brie awesome? She is one of my favorite people on the planet. I have gotten to know Brie really closely for the last two years, I think. And she is smart and funny and thoughtful. What a what a great thing to have in common. It's Brie McCoy. I know. I'm like, oh, mutual friend. She's just amazing. She's been on our show before too. And that's another great episode. So this is how to say it. We're connected. Yes. I want you to share more about your book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, because what a neat concept. First off, love the title. Like I, th- it says so much about what's inside and I think it says so much about what we need, too. Well, thank you. I, it was kind of a long title. When we kind of went with it, I was like, is this smart to go with such a long title? It's actually one of the taglines of my podcast. I say it like in the intro and always have from the beginning, just as like an explanation for what the show is, that I really am wanting people to share their stuff. So when it became the title of the book, which is not how I pitched it, I pitched the book as 10 Things to Tell You, but we changed the title and I you know, it was like a little back and forth on it. I've been so happy to get people's reaction that they really like that it 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 does explain what's exactly in the book. So yes, well, I think that we like live in a culture now where vulnerability is the sexy thing to do, right? So often, I think we expect other people to open up to us maybe before we've created that safe space and shared a few things about us first. In doing that, it it can really. I've seen it damage a lot of my relationships when I when I have that expectation on the relationship, you know? Oh, we love other people's vulnerability. <laughs> it's it's our own that we usually have a hard time wrestling with or even knowing how to show up. Like even if we have the desire to be vulnerable or we have things that we want to share, a lot of us just aren't even sure like how to package it or, you know, it's very awkward to just like sort of raise your hand at a girl's night out dinner and be like, can we all talk about, you know, our prom dates or I don't, whatever. Like no one wants to just start a completely random non sequitur conversation. However, some of those conversations that start with really good questions or just start with like a meaningful intention can be so fulfilling and you can feel so seen and you get the privilege of seeing others. And so it's a, it's a really great thing to do. I think we all understand that it's a great thing to have those conversations or to have vulnerability, but a lot of us just don't even know like where to start with it. Right. Yeah. And so it's intimidating to even be the first to open your mouth. Totally. Exactly. So I want you to give us maybe even like a spark notes of what's inside the book or your, like your favorite part to have written as an author. It's one of my favorite things to ask my author friends because there's always one, I feel like. There's 10 big questions, 10 chapters. Each chapter asks one big question. So some of the questions are, who was there? When were you broken? What are your magical moments? Like these 10 big sort of tentpole questions, I feel like. And then in the chapters, I, 
you know, give a little bit of explanation about why I chose that question, why I think that question is important, the different angles that you can look at this question, because the questions themselves are a little bit broad. So if you aren't exactly sure what I mean by magical moments, I go on to explain that. And then I answer the question. In most of the chapters, I answer the question three different ways. So I share with the reader three different ways or three different people or three different stories that answer this question for myself. That's my example of me going first. And a lot of these stories are, you know, pretty tender to me. I've never shared a lot of the stuff that's in the book as much as I've shared my life online for over a decade, like social media, blogging, podcasting, like I'm a big sharer. But some of these stories, I just felt like I wasn't going to throw them up in an Instagram caption. They were too important. And so Mm -hmm. I saved them back for the book and, you know, I sort of let it all out there. So that's the structure of the book. In between the big meaty chapters, I have these fun, mostly lighter lists. And so if you're not ready to like jump in the deep end of the pool with when were you broken, (laughs) you might want to start with like (laughs) one of these lighter, like notable fashion moments in your life. Like there's a mix of heavy and light throughout the book that can really get you talking or get you journaling. I tried to mix it up and it not be too heavy or too fluffy because, you know, neither of those things really work on their own. Right. And I love that you say that because I think that that's the biggest misconception of sharing your story. Like when I say share your story, I think people cringe and they're like, oh, okay, I don't know where to start, you know. But I think there's so many parts of our story that can be beautiful that we forget to share if we only see, quote unquote, our story as being logistical like pieces of information. Where were we born? Where did we go to high school? What did we go to college for? All the things. Or a lot can be missed too if we only really talk about the broken pieces. There's so much there's so much beauty on seeing both sides and the both and and living in the middle. Exactly. And I don't want people to think that I am encouraging you to share your like tenderest, most sensitive places. Like I don't think people should just vomit that out. We should take care with ourselves. And so you know, the book is like polka dotted and has a really fun cover and I'm talking about share your stuff, but I really don't want people to get the wrong impression that I'm encouraging you to put yourself in like emotional danger. I don't want you to put on Facebook like the hardest (laughs) time you've ever gone through, you know, and that's not what it's about. It's really about like conversations one-on-one. I mean, I would love it if people would share online. I share a lot of myself online, but I also understand that that's not everyone's personality. And so when I'm encouraging people to share their stuff, you get to choose like where and how you do that and like what you think would be meaningful to you in your life to deepen a relationship or even if it's by yourself in your journal. Sometimes I feel like we haven't even let ourselves think of some of these questions or like think of some of our old hurts. I write about, I don't know, like my high school boyfriend, for example, in the book. Well, after a certain age, like especially if you're married and everything, you are like, well, I'm not really allowed to think about anything from the past. I'm not allowed to say that that was a really hurtful time for me or I'm not allowed to say that that was a really beautiful time for me either because both of those themes – things seem awkward, like after a certain age. But really, there is something about knowing ourselves and being able to to even just journal, even if it's just with ourselves and say, 
hey, I want to acknowledge that this was a meaningful thing to me, either a beautiful thing that I'm glad I had or a really hard thing that I'm not really allowed to talk about anymore. Let's just start with acknowledging and answering these questions for ourselves with ourselves. And then if you you know, feel like it's natural, then it's something that you can share with others. Uh, there is a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I don't it's know by Adam one. Young. Yeah, he is an amazing counselor, but he basically talks about this whole idea that we are like our identity, our individual selves are made up of stories. And so sometimes it's so much easier. And I think even in the world we live in today, I challenge to say, like, like I said earlier, talking about the hard and broken places um, sometimes is what people glamorize as like figuring out who you are and like working through these hard things and working through those hard things are great. Right. But like you said, like there's also so much fun Mm -hmm. in figuring out who we are and our stories and what makes Rachel, Rachel and what makes Laura, Laura and our friends listening who they are too. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I I admire about your book so much is that it's just as much fun as it is sitting and thinking through hard things and sitting and thinking through really funny, fun things. And you remember a story you hadn't thought about in, oh gosh, like five years. And you're like, oh, I got to write that down. Mm-hmm. And I I just admire the full scope because I think it's so easy to focus on, you know, the things we sit and pay someone on a couch to listen to us and help us process through. We're, we're more than just that. Exactly right. Yeah. I have a question for you because I would almost consider you an expert in storytelling at this point <laughs> with all the stories you've told. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Listen, I want to know why you think it's important that we not only like reflect on who we are, but share the stories that go along with it. Like what is so important about stories? Well, stories in particular help us figure things out, right? Like I think it's human nature for us to put a narrative on an event or on a season or on our relationship with other people. Like it's just I think the way our brain naturally works is to think of like a beginning, a middle, an end, a protagonist, an antagonist, like an an inciting event. There was like a whole thing that happened. Like it is the way that we package like the world. I mean, you know, I don't know if we have just been trained to do that from like watching movies or reading books or if that – you know, making movies and writing books came from our natural tendency to do that anyway. I'm not sure. But I do think that when we are able to put things into story form, and I don't mean like an expert, like, you know, you don't have to be any kind of storytelling expert to share your stuff. But I think when you do put yourself in into a place where you can look at it as a story, and I think we all do this like so organically, it helps us process what happened or it helps us process how we feel about that person. And then when we can share it, often what happens, and this is like can be magical or difficult (laughs) depending on, but the person receiving your story then has the chance to reflect back to you what feels true about it or you know, yes. if it's if it's amazing or if that sounds more difficult than you're giving it credit for or if that even is exactly what happened, if we keep everything in all the time, we make up stories for ourselves that are not always true. And I write about this in the book. If we're not sharing our stories, we often don't realize that we have messed up the narrative. Oh, so good. Yeah. Now, 
on the on the one hand, I believe in us. Like I believe that we are all doing the best that we can and it's that's it's not purposeful, but sometimes we were in a really toxic bad situation that we've talked ourselves into the fact that it was fine. It was fine. It was totally fine. And if we never tell anyone, we don't have a friend or a loved one to say, "Hey, it seems like that relationship isn't fine." Actually, like I think you're not accepting maybe really what it is or we've made up a story in our mind about how something went down. We have decided what happened behind the scenes. We decided what must have been said about us behind the scenes. Like, And we've made ourselves insecure about something where if we were to share that, someone would say, you know, that's actually not what happened at all. Like you just, you came up with that to make sense of that event, but that's not what actually happened. And I write about that in the book, how our ability to make up these stories in order to process something or someone is is amazing, but it's also not always absolute truth. We can have filled in the blanks really incorrectly and for better or worse, you know, I mean, sometimes we've given people more of benefit of the doubt than they needed. And sometimes we have pulled away from a relationship or an event based on something that wasn't even true. We made it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I think we have to be sharing what we think and sharing our thoughts and having these conversations in order to really get to like what is as close as possible to what is real versus what, you know, the craziness that's happening in our head all the time. Yeah. Our perception. Yes. Because her perception can be really skewed sometimes. At least mine can. I'll speak for myself. My perception, there's been so many times where I've retold stories of childhood, like around the dinner table as an adult, and my mom has called me out. Like, that's not, that's not what I said. That's not why you got in trouble. You got in trouble because, and in that moment, of course, as a kid, like you remember things so differently. And then I attach shame to it. And I grow up as an adult with this attached shame to something because I perceived it that way. And like you're saying, I love it until I externally process it with somebody I love and trust and is a good sounding board, I might just be stuck in my own way and operating out of that place that might not be true. And that can be detrimental in a lot of ways to us as people. Totally. I talk in the book about an old relationship I had, uh, like a boyfriend relationship, that I had spun this whole narrative out of why we broke up. Now, of (laughs) course, it was completely – it was based in truth. I mean, it was – a lot of it was true and real, but I had really packaged it up in a way that sort of made it like kind of heroic in a way, like kind of made us like choosing our right path. And like I had really made this whole – story around it. And I mean, I have told that story for years, like to friends, to, you know, my husband, we were talking about past, like all kinds of things I've talked about this story. And then one time, completely a side note tangent, when I was in therapy, I mentioned this whole relationship. I'd never brought it up before in therapy. And I was just using it as like a random example or something. Like it just came out as a side thing. And my therapist was like, wait, tell me more about that. So I gave her a brief version of this amazing heroic story I had built. And she was like, um, <laughs> that, that does not seem like that's probably his perspective. And in literally like 30 seconds, she like peeled back from my eyes that I had made that story. I had made myself that a hero in that story. It, it just 
flat out wasn't true. Now, I also think when someone reflects that back to you, if what sh- if what the therapist had said to me hadn't felt true, like in my spirit, I I would have dismissed it and been like, well, no, I didn't give you enough detail. You didn't really understand what was happening. But because the second that she said it, I felt like the deepest gut level conviction that I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, you're totally right. You know, when you hear something just in one sentence, you're like, you're right. What you just said is completely correct, even though yeah. I just gave you like a one minute version of this situation. It struck me as so, you know, important that I couldn't help but in like, you know, a matter of seconds realize that I have been telling that story incorrectly and and perhaps unfairly mm, for yeah. decades, for decades. And so this is why we need to like keep talking about our stuff. I had talked about that stuff before and no one knew any better to say like, oh yeah, that's a good story or whatever. But when I said it to the right person to be like, um, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> this can't be right. Right. This yeah. doesn't seem right. Then I realized like it wasn't right and I needed to drop that old story. Not all, you know, it was like 85% right. It's not like I never needed to talk about that thing again, but I needed to drop this, you know, this mantle that I'd been carrying around that specific thing because it just, it wasn't true then and it definitely isn't true now. I now I'm so curious. I'm like, okay, so what, what happens to us or what change did you see inside yourself when you're able to almost redefine and make something more accurate than maybe how Laura had imagined it in the first place? What kind of a transformation happens inside of our souls and our minds and our hearts when we when we say yes to, you know, redefining things. Well, definitely that particular situation, like that therapy appointment after that, it almost had the detrimental effect where then I started questioning like, wait, is <laughs> anything, anything I say true? Yes. <laughs> I've been there too. Yeah. Wait a minute. Like, I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, have I been like, am I? Yeah, a fraud. I do think that most of us only have a handful of really important stories in our life. I mean, we have a lot, a a million little stories that make up who we are and make up our memories, of course. But like we really have, I don't know, not that many, 10 or less of like the big stories of our life that happen, you know, big relationships, big, you know, events, all that. So it didn't make me re-examine like every single thing I've ever thought, but it did make me I think, especially around the time I turned 40, because this was all several years ago, it did make me feel like I could drop a lot of that old stuff that maybe I'd been holding tight to it. And, you know, at this point, I can't suss out exactly what was true and what wasn't true, but I need to loosen my grip on all of it. I need to just sort of be like, you know, this is how I experienced it, but I'm holding it all loosely now. I don't need to stick to my version of this event. Even with like the childhood example you were giving, I also have those conversations with my mom where I remember something really specifically and that is not how she remembers it. And in some ways that can cause conflict, you know, especially if you're talking about bigger things where you're sure you're right about how you remember it and you're sure that they're wrong about what they're saying about it. Well, it sometimes with enough time has passed, 
you won't be able to determine who was right or wrong. So for me, after that story with a therapist, I was sort of just able to loosen my grip on all of it and hold my past in a lighter way and just be like, well, why am I holding so tightly to those stories? Why do I need to have been right in 1999? I don't. I don't need to have been right. Like 1999, Laura was doing the best she can. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, having grace for ourselves. Yeah, like ha- having a lot of grace for anything that happened in my past and any stories that I made up to heal from it. Now I can just do the best that I can do now and going forward and and trying to you know be a little more graceful for everyone. But I I have to let go a lot of those other things. Yeah. Since you had that moment in therapy where you're like, wait a second. This might not be how I remembered it. And so now you approach every story with a little bit more grace and like you're saying, hold them with a little bit more open hands. What is almost your red flag when thinking through a story or telling a story to somebody else where you have a moment to pause and stop and be like, actually, that might not be the way I remember it either. And then my my follow up to that is how do you, who do you go to? How do you start the process of figuring out what was true and what wasn't and what you can actually take as reality? Well, I think that words matter a lot. They matter to the person that are receiving your words and they matter to how you are experiencing what you're saying. So I think when you are able to frame a story with, this is what I remember, this is how I took it, this is what it felt like for me, with phrases like that, as opposed to this is what happened. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then that's good. You're the receiver of your story, whether they know anything about you or not, depending on who you're talking to, they're understanding that that you're not holding so tight to what happened. And also I feel like we need a caveat here that when we're talking about this, I'm this is in such generalities. If you have past stories of abuse or, you know, toxic relationships, or like there's some stories where you really need to hold on to your truth. With That's right. with a, yeah. with a firm grip, okay. So that is the absolute truth. But I do think that when you open yourself up to language of like, this is how I remember it. This is how it felt for me. Then that you know that opens up the whole conversation. Period. You know, because just the energy of the of the room. You know what I mean? Like if you're not just yeah. being like adamant <laughs> that this is what happened. And then as far as where to start with it, I think that people are more open if you couch it in those words. So for example, if you're not really sure how to talk about some of your childhood stuff, to say to your parents or, you know, to a caregiver, like, hey, I was thinking about that thing that happened when I was 10 and I remember it like this. How do you remember it? Mm -hmm. And giving them the chance to say, yeah, it seems pretty accurate how you remember it. Or giving them the chance to be like, what in the world? That is not what happened. Now, just because they respond with like, what in the world are you talking about? That doesn't mean that you're wrong. And it doesn't mean that you've messed it up in any way. It is a chance for you to see that there are other perspectives on it or a chance to see if there's, you know, I don't know. There's so many chances here. Like, what, is there deception happening? Is someone denying that something happened that you you know happened? Or right. is it opening up your heart to be like, oh, I've kind of been mad about that thing and Maybe maybe that's not exactly what was meant back then. So it gives you a lot of chances, sort of depending on what you're talking about. But 
just starting that conversation with an old friend, a family member, you know, hey, I was just thinking about this, or hey, I had a dream about this, or I heard a podcast episode where they were talking about (laughs) X, Y, Z, and I was, it made me remember this thing. What do you think? Instead of you know, it's really hard and, and occasionally off-putting for someone to just be like, let me tell you what happened. And I know exactly what happened and I'm just going to tell you about it. <laughs> like, right. well, that yeah. doesn't open any doors. That doesn't open any hearts, you know. So it's easier to have a conversation while also holding on to your truth. You are not giving away your power here. You're not letting their response dictate how you felt about it. Because even if your mom comes back and says, okay, that is not exactly what happened. Your 10-year-old self misunderstood what happened. And that might be a conversation you have with a parent, right? You can you can note that and be like, okay, that's not what happened. But you still get to feel your feelings because your 10-year-old self felt this. And right. that's real. That's real no matter what. My story with my old boyfriend that I packaged into um, a certain narrative That was how I felt about it. What was peeled back from my eyes was that's probably not how he felt about it. And so Mm -hmm. that made me, you know, feel some some regret and, you know, maybe like I needed to apologize possibly. But but how I felt was valid and real always. Oh, this is so good. And I'm loving this conversation and just loving all things stories, especially recently, because we live in such a quote unquote, connected world online. And so there's a lot of like assuming and there's a lot of, there's a lot of storytelling online. And I love that. But this gives us a chance, your book even challenges challenges us to give us a chance to connect with people one-on-one, over the phone, personally, who have that place and like have the right to be heard in our lives and be that sounding board for us in ways that, cha- I don't know, it just challenges me to have those deeper, meaningful conversations and like, how are you doing? What have you been up to recently? Um, and really take my friendships and my relationships to the next level. So I wanted to thank you for that because I think we are living in a very falsely connected world these days. And this gives us a lot of meaning. Absolutely. I can feel the difference immediately. Like I am much happier, more fulfilled when I've been scrolling Instagram for an hour and put it down that's not real connection. And by the way, I love social media and I think it does so much good in the world and I've made relationships online. But the difference between putting down my phone after a long scroll versus getting off the phone after an amazing phone call, like they're just not even comparable, right? Like the connection that we feel in deep conversation, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be talking about deep subjects, but the deep connection of, you know, you could be Talking about silly subjects for all you know. But, but just, just being heard. You know, just yeah. being heard and getting to hear them and just feeling like, oh my gosh, we just, we love each other and this was so fun to talk. The difference in those two things, taking a minute to try and feel connected online because you're, you know, bored in the middle of the day versus taking the time to feel truly connected to another human who knows you and who you know. Like those aren't even, those experiences are completely different levels, you know. Yeah, totally. My second reason I love this so much is because it gives people a voice and gives them a practical way on like how to speak up when maybe they're they're more timid or shy or don't even know where to start. Yes. And sharing your story is the perfect place to begin. That's why I love the questions because 
you know, with asking a question, if you were to send out a group text and be like, hey, let's all answer this fun question. Or if you were to, you know, do it, like I said, at a mom's night out or whatever, like whatever your scenario is, the questions, there is an implication that we're all going to answer. So everybody gets a chance to like say their piece about it. And you know, in relationships, let's just be honest, that's just not always the case. Sometimes someone is very domineering. Sometimes someone is way too shy to every to ever speak up. With the questions, everybody has to listen and everybody mm-hmm. gets a turn. And so I just love that because the structure of it, even though it might feel silly to have a structure at a dinner or whatever, but it really like serves a real purpose. Yes. Oh, and a deeper purpose, like we were saying, of connection and relationship. And we all know and are nodding our heads that this is the year, this is the time that we need to start investing in those relationships and connection to, like we were saying, feel heard, feel understood, but at the same time, understand and hear others. And beautiful things can happen when we lean in and do both of those. Yes. So if people are obsessed already, which I know they are, and they want to get their hands on these 10 beautiful questions, where can they get their hands on all things Laura and share your story? I'll go first. You can go to lauratremaine.com and that will have all the information about my podcast, this book, social media, which is where I share on the daily You know, my email newsletter called The Secret Posts, which is where I share all the things that I don't want to share on social media. (laughs) Like You can find all of that at lauratremaine.com. One of my favorite questions to ask in the show, and I feel like you're going to have a good one, so no pressure. Um, What is something that you are loving these days that you have to share with the people? It could be anything. Oh my goodness, that's a big question. But I will (laughs) tell you, I'll tell you what I'm doing. This isn't as fun as like, you know, a new lipstick, which I do have lipstick that I really like right now, which is Charlotte Tilbury's Queen or Velvet Underground. Either of those Charlotte Tilbury's shades are power lipsticks, but that's not what I want my answer to be. I just felt okay. like I needed to. <laughs> okay, I felt like a fun one. I needed to give a fun one before I say the sort of more serious one. I mean, you know, sort of serious. In the last year, I think I started it before for last year, but it has really become an important practice to me. I have been setting the timer on my phone and sitting in stillness. So the difference between this and any other thing I've tried is that I literally just sit there for between five and 10 minutes, depending on how much time I have. I don't have pressure to pray or meditate or clear my mind or focus on my breathing. I don't do any of that. I literally just sit in stillness and let my thoughts sort of run wild. I realized that I'm like a busy person and I like a lot of stimulation. You know, I always have a podcast going in the background or yes, same. you know, my <laughs> this could be good for me. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the last year, my children are schooling from home, so they're home all the time, so there's like noise or the TV is on or I'm just constantly running through my to-do list or whatever. It's very noisy in my head all the time, sometimes chosen and sometimes not. When I did this sit in stillness thing, but without the pressure of, like I said, trying to like pray or meditate or anything, just the literal sitting there, I was like (laughs) shocked and embarrassed at like the type 
of thoughts that came to the surface. And it made me realize how much we push down all day long. As busy women, we push down like, oh, I'm not going to think about that right now. I don't have time to think about that right now. I don't want to feel that feeling. I don't want to do that to-do list item. Like all these things that we are constantly not thinking about. And instead, we're spinning out on celebrity gossip or we're spinning out on something we saw on Pinterest. I don't know. It doesn't matter what we do. We are not letting ourselves actually think or feel we're because there's so many ways to replace our thoughts and feelings these days. Like there's just so many ways. Yeah. When I set my timer, sit on my couch in my office so I'm able to close the door and just like think things, I I just get so much more tuned in to what I'm actually feeling, to what I actually want to do next on my to-do list, or I, I just, I realize we replace our own thoughts with other people's thoughts or with other people's priorities on our to-do list or whatever. Like there's just so much stimulation. And I forgot what it was like to just like sit there and be myself for 10 minutes. And it has been like borderline transformative. I don't want to like give it too much <laughs> No, this but is I, amazing. It really has been like almost like a re-getting to know myself or something. And when I stand up from it, I'm like, all right. It's, I mean, it's like as effective as anything I've ever done. Just sitting there. Can you believe that that's my thing that I'm giving you? No, I can believe it. And I'm so grateful. Laura, that is amazing. Listen, I love products. Don't get me wrong. So grateful for the Charlotte Tilbury shades because pillow talk's been my jam. So I'm excited to try the other ones. But this, this is like a good meaningful practice we can all start to adapt and, and like put into our routines and rhythms. That's mind blowing. I mean, so simple, right? But at the same time, I think like the peace it can give you and even the insight like you're saying into yourself, I think this could be huge for us. So not silly at all. I'm so grateful you just said that. I needed it. Okay, good. And how long do you do this for? Again, what did you say? I started doing it for five minutes. I made it part of my morning routine. I have a whole morning routine where I like journal and read my book and like all – not the book I wrote. (laughs) Read the book I'm reading. I have this whole morning routine that I like to start my day off with. And I added it to that and I started with five minutes, which I think is a good place to start. If you do it too long, you'll get antsy and you won't do it again. So I started with five minutes and I did five minutes for months. And then I realized how effective it was for me and that I could go a little longer. And so then I just sort of upped it. And now I do about 10 minutes. And that really is my limit because then I start to get like, oh gosh, I really need to go do X, Y, Z, or I can hear my kids playing or whatever. So I'm I'm sort of tapping out at 10 minutes right now, but I, I don't start at 10. It doesn't seem like very long, I know. But really, when you're starting this, if you haven't slowed down in a while, five minutes is good. Okay. Well, everyone's got five minutes in their day, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. So it's like, just find your five minutes, sit here in stillness, thank Laura for her beautiful idea. But then, yeah, I'm so excited to do this. Like, I got to schedule this in. I'm so pumped. Oh, well, I cannot thank you enough for just all of the wisdom bombs you dropped for us today. I am just feeling so refreshed and renewed and this kind of connection is so beautiful. And so to even imagine what can happen when I start sharing stories and listening to stories and asking my friends the questions in your book, I just, 
cool things are about to happen. I can just feel it stirring up already. So thank you Amazing. so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate you letting me have this conversation on the show with you. Thank you so much, Rachel. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.